Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Hello and welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. My name is Kevin Senapati Rodna, and I'm glad you could join us today as we help you on your adventure with Jesus. That's what it is all about. But today we're going to talk about when you go on that adventure with Jesus, you're going with people. Uh, there's people who say, you know, you are the sum total of the five closest relationships in your life. My home pastor, I think he may be quoting someone else, but says, uh, relationships are like elevators. They take you up or they take you down. Uh, and so relationships are super important, but we often don't think about the relationships in our lives, and they really can make a difference that you know, whether we accomplish the things that God has for us and whether they don't, we don't accomplish the things that God has for us. And so uh, our conversation today is very important. My guest is Dr. Darius Daniels, and he is a lead pastor of Change Church, and it's a vibrant ministry that uh, impacts uh, all ages, socioeconomic classes, ethnic backgrounds. It's uh, 6,000 people, multiple campuses, and uh, so he's got uh, some credentials there, but then also he's got some academic credentials, bachelors of art and political science uh, from uh, Millsaps College in Jackson, Mississippi, a Master's of Divinity from Princeton Theological Seminary, and a Doctorate of uh, Ministry from Fuller Theological Seminary. So he brings both the practical and the academic to uh, his latest book, Relational Intelligence, and we dive into all sorts of areas from the book, uh, talking about uh, how we need to think about our relationships and what they, how they matter, how uh, what they can do, and you're just going to get a lot of benefit, I think, from this conversation. Uh, so hang it with, you know, take some notes. You're going to be blessed as uh, we go through this. So without further ado, my conversation with Dr. Darius Daniels. All right. Well, Dr. Daniels, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here. Excited. Thank you for having me. It is. I'm looking forward to our conversation and where we go with this. This is a uh, we're going to talk in a, a couple moments about your book, Relational Intelligence, The People Skills You Need for the Life of Purpose You Want. It, a great book. I enjoyed it. So uh, <laughs> looking forward to it. Uh, but I always like to kind of get you off your game a little bit because you can get into script probably. But uh, So let's talk about something else uh, other than we were talking beforehand about your Detroit uh, needs uh, there we'll we'll, we'll yeah. steer clear of that uh let's talk with about god and how he, he's always messing with me anyways i don't know about you but he's always, he's always messing with me uh what's the current state of where he's messing with you um so I, i'm i'm gonna capture that in one word so i'm with you I feel, <laughs> i'm i'm chronically being messed with I, <laughs> I'm not aware of a season where I'm not being <laughs> so, so I'm going to capture that in one word, and that's stewardship. And, um, and so this is what I mean. When I, what I mean by that, I don't mean stewardship necessarily, necessarily in the area of resources. But I've been being dealt with uh, in this area of stewardship, specifically as it relates to the area of time and how... Um, I had kids really early, so I just I made I just made forty this year, 
but congratulations. But my, my, so I had my, when I was married at 21 or so, um, had my first son, 22, 23. So I'm 40 and I've got a kid going to college. Wow. Um, at, you know, at the end of this year. And I recognize, like when Solomon says, like life is a vapor. And so if you don't steward seasons well, you are setting an appointment for regret. Like I, I'm able to look at my 18 year old um, who's getting ready to go to college and I'm able to say to myself, obviously there's some things I wish I had done differently and I'm gonna grieve him leaving the house and moving on, but I'm gonna have grief, but not regret. We played t-ball together. We played basketball together. I, I was I'm at football games and basketball games, and so just recognizing the importance of stewarding time well—that's just something that happened by the grace of God. He and I kind of grew up together. I feel like you know, 22 is really young to have a kid, um, but I feel like we kind of grew up together. So for me, I'm looking at um, not just as a parent, but as as it relates to life. And it's stewarding the seasons of life on men well and, and um, trying to invest them for kingdom gain. So that's where I am right now. That's awesome. I, I, I love that phrase, set, I, set an appointment for regret. We don't want to mess yeah. with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that. That's tweetable right there. All right. <laughs> All right. And so with that shift, uh, is there any particular habits or things that you're trying to do differently? Uh, I know what to talk, talk about some with relationships, but any other areas that you've been kind of making a shift with? Yeah, definitely ministry. Ministry wise, I'm asking myself as it relates to my time, um, what is the highest and best use of Darius Daniels in the season that I'm in? And this is what I've learned about that. I've learned about, this is this is the case professionally it probably applies personally too that when it comes to other people's desire to use your time they want to use it and doesn't mean they're bad people but they want to use it in a way that aligns with their priorities you know (laughs) can you give me some time because this is important to me and i think this should be important to you and it doesn't mean that it's not important but it does mean that in this season i'm really trying to be clear on hey what are my, prof- my my ministry priorities in this season? And how can I steward my time in a way where I'm throwing myself into those things so that I don't get to a season of life in the future and I look back and say, man, I wish I would have stewarded that season differently. That's, that's so wise. Uh, and stewardship uh, is is really the heart it's, it feels to me a part of the heart of the book uh, relational intelligence uh, it's about stewarding our relationships uh, and one of the things for me this is just this is just me but I, I'm a uh, King David I, I love the story with King David and uh, all of the things that he goes through and the lessons we can learn there and uh, one of the things I got from relational intelligence you seem to make multiple references to his relationship with Joab. Now, it might just be me reading between the lines, but normally that means there's more to the story. Than, uh, can, can, can you t- share some of the, uh, maybe why that story spoke to you or uh, what 
about David and Joab's relationship uh, we can learn from. Yeah, so you're right. It is. Um, that, story did, <laughs> that story did speak to me in a really unique way. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, so first of all, it spoke to me personally um, because I felt like I went through a season where I had people in my life who were like Joab's. Like Joab had this kind of, I think, I make the distinction in the book between like cultural loyalty and a biblical loyalty. One's healthy, one's unhealthy. (laughs) (laughs) And so Joab was so loyal to David, he participated in David's dysfunction. So Joab was the one that David sent orders to to kill Bathsheba's husband. And he was so loyal to David. It was an unhealthy loyalty. He participated, he was an accessory to David's self-destruction. And I feel like there was a season in my life where, you know, I'm type A personality, I'm driven, and I was surrounded by people like that in my life. And so it's start something, write something, and do something, and build something. And, And there was a loyalty there but it was a type of loyalty that I felt like was um, helping, <clears throat> helping me self-destruct. <laughs> and I just think that experience personally like opened my eyes in a way and gave me a set of glasses through which I read the scriptures differently. And I just saw that in Joab's, Joab's story. And it really caused me to do some evaluating when it came to, you know, what kind of, sometimes the loyalty you want is not, the loyalty you need. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't just need yes men. Yeah. Right. I, and I love there the Bible's dealing with Joab. It's a complex relationship. It's uh, There are times when uh, Joab does stuff like, what's going on here? You know, and you're like, but then that's the same as our relationships. There's times you're like, why is that person doing that? What's the, you know, what's the backstory there? Uh, any other, uh, I mean, it was that kind of what led you to write the book? I mean, what, that season of, uh, what, what's the kind of the backstory of why you write a book about relational intelligence? Okay. Yeah. So the, I think, the major contributing factor for me writing the book was not just what happened to me personally. I think it's what I saw pastorally. So I'm a pastor. So I have the privilege. It is one of the highest honors of my life, the privilege of being in the people business. And so um, with that being the case, you get this unique insight into the way, (laughs) into just um, an extraordinary amount of people's lives. And what I began to see as a pastor and like walking with people uh, throughout life's journey is that people's greatest joy and greatest pain came from the same place. It was relationships. I mean, uh, uh, people saying I do and getting married, great joy. Marriage not working out, great pain. A child being birthed into the world, great joy having to bury a child, great pain. 
So I saw like directly and indirectly this link to joy and pain, uprisings, downfalls, um, not exclusively, but uh, primarily being attributed to people's relationships, not just who they had in their life, but what place they gave them. See, everyone that may have a place in our life doesn't have the same place. And that's what relational intelligence is about. It's about kind of defining and aligning those relationships, um, not just for your, for your peace internally, but also for your productivity and for the accomplishment of your purpose. <clears throat> and I, I, that's one of the things I really loved about the book was that idea of thinking about your relationship. Sometimes we just kind of go through our lives and are not just let, letting relationships happen to us. And you're challenging people to say, okay, think about what you're doing and where they, these people fit into your story. Um, how, uh, how does defining relationships help us? Uh, I mean, you kind of touched on that, but how does that, uh, can you break that down a little bit more, what that helps us in our relationships? Yeah, absolutely. So to me, the, the process of like defining is what I would call fruit inspection. And that's what Jesus, because I've gotten this question before, like, what do you mean? Like defining relationships, like you're categorizing people like shoes. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm like, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. Or some people feel like defining relationships is making judgments. And so I'm not saying, uh, when I say, that's why I use the word fruit inspection, because Jesus said, hey, you know, trees by the fruit that they bear. So it's not our place to say that's a good tree or a bad tree. That's judgment. But it is our place to say that's an apple tree and that's an orange tree. And I don't like apples. <laughs> or I don't like oranges. So I feel like um, defining relationships is important for a couple of reasons. The first of which is so that you can be clear on what to expect from it. Like a lot of relationship frustration comes because we have wrong expectations. It's like me looking at, uh, um, I got this little, the dog owner, the one with the lady we bought it from, she got us. <laughs> So we we thought we thought we were getting a multi-poo because she told us this was a multi-poo. And when and my wife surprised me with the dog. And so when she gave me the dog, I'm looking at this dog and I'm like, this is the weirdest looking multi-poo I've seen. I was like, this dog looks like it's got a little Yorkie in it. And then when we started training him, I was like, this I've had a Yorkie before. I'm like, this is a stubborn dog. This is not a multiple. This is a Yorkie. But it's like, this is an inferior analogy, but the point that I'm making is, it's like me expecting a Yorkie, which can be temperamental and stubborn and obstinate, expecting a Yorkie to behave like a multiple. It's just not, it's, it's, gonna, it's gonna be a, course of, a, a, a source of frustration for me. So I feel like the same thing applies in relationships. When you define a relationship, you know what to expect from it. And then more importantly, you know what to invest in it. And I think that's, that's really, really important. And I don't, I don't think that was an inferior analogy. I'm all about the dog. So. 
<laughs> we can talk dogs. My, my dog's over there sleeping and I don't know, inferior how that's going <laughs> to, I, I, I have to work him down. So he's ready for these interviews. So he's, he's not, right. not, not too excited, but uh, going with that idea, uh, I, I mean, one of the challenges I think for Christians is if you're defining relationships, you're just not quote unquote being nice, I guess, maybe is <laughs> you're, uh, you're not being by letting, not letting everyone in. Uh, I was watching a video where you make the distinction between uh, gates and walls uh, mm-hmm. and uh, where uh, people like, like you're, you're not building up walls to people you're putting up gates. Uh, you may not even remember, you probably do lots of stuff, but <laughs> uh, how, how, uh, and you say some people aren't bad people; they're just bad for you. Yeah, uh, and that's just such a powerful truth. Uh, can you? Because uh, this is something I'm still learning. I'm still uh, because you know you want to be nice. You want to be, uh, you know, quote unquote. That's the Christian thing to do. Uh, what? Any thoughts on why that's so hard for us, and how how we can? work through that whole idea. So I'm not trying to over-spiritualize this, right? I know pastors have a tendency to do that, right? Like everything, (laughs) sometimes people are like, hey, I just need an answer. But um, for me, not trying to over-spiritualize it, I do think that part of the reason we have a, a, um, a hard time doing that is because many times in Christian circles, we feel like being a good steward of your own soul and self is actually being selfish. So we are called to live sacrificial lives. Obviously, that's the case. So I'm, I'm not disputing that at all. I am saying living sacrificially doesn't mean that I become a poor steward of my own life. And I think that is what makes it really, really difficult for people sometimes to put up walls or to put up gates. I think, I think it not only affects um, how you define a relationship, I think it affects how people interact in relationships. I feel like not knowing the difference between those two things, selfishness and stewardship, causes people to feel like forgiveness means reconciliation, and it does not. And I think it also causes people to think that forgiveness means trust. And it doesn't. Like, forgiveness is a grace gift. It's a gift that's been given to us. We've got to give it to others. But trust is something that's earned based on the trustworthiness of the person we're in relationship with. And I feel like all of that just kind of goes back to Christians confusing um, being good stewards of your own life with being selfish, like Jesus said, we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So if we don't get the self-love part right, we won't get the love and neighbor part right. Well, and, and speaking of Jesus, I mean, he was very intentional about his relationships. He was, yeah. he, he was very clear. And I'm reading another book now, uh, Gary Thompson, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he, he's coming out with a book called When to Walk Away and really highlighting uh, Jesus is saying, 
Jesus just walked away randomly from people like this is not a situation I'm going to be in. This is not a person I'm going to deal with. Uh, and uh, we not need to uh, be okay with that. And I, I'm learning. <laughs> uh, and, and you talk about, uh, speaking of Jesus again, uh, his, his phrase about shaking the dust off of our, our, our feet or, the dust off of ourselves when we experience rejection. Um, and it's the, you say it's, the, it's not taking the residue of rejection from one season or relationship into another. Any mm. advice for people on how to do this in, in practical uh, life? Yeah. So I think the, uh, this is what I think. I think that's easier said than done. <laughs> it's a lot easier to shake dust off literally than it is to shake dust off emotionally because sometimes like so if i'm dirty physically i see it because it's external if i'm carrying a residue of something emotionally like internally and emotionally sometimes i don't see what affected me in the past until it's triggered in the future so i feel like practically what you know the book talks a little bit about this too i think practically What's important is self-awareness, like being aware that I have had some experiences in the past that could affect me in terms of the way I see relationships in the future. And if I'm aware that there is the potential for that, then I'm, I do a much better job at kind of managing myself, managing my emotions, assessing, hey, am I making somebody in my present uh, do the time for a crime somebody in my past committed. <laughs> so I just think self-awareness is, is going to be key because sometimes you don't know how much something affected you in the past emotionally until you actually get into the future. You're like, oh my God, I'm it's like some people grow up, I want to be nothing like my dad. And then <laughs> you have kids, you're like, I'm just like my dad. So um yeah, I think self-awareness is key. That's so cool because, yeah, we, we do just kind of go through our life sometimes. Again, it kind of seems a theme with you of being aware of your, you're aware of your relationships, you're aware of your surroundings. That seems to be uh, one of the things with that idea of stewardship, you, you uh, kind of have pulled through the whole book, is the idea that we're not called uh to everything we're not you know, just because it's there doesn't mean we're called to it and you uh, kind of dive deep on uh, act 16 where paul goes one place the doors close goes another place the doors close and then he ends up in another place uh and that's for achievers like you and me we have a hard time with that i think because uh, we want to do everything we want to accomplish everything uh can you give an example of that in your own life where you're uh, you, you felt like you're going this way and then you like, no, God's taking me over this way. Does that make sense? <laughs> that is my life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is my life. Most people don't, most, I don't know if most people know this, but I was, man, I was headed to law school. Like, so I was not headed into pastoral ministry at all. Even when I felt the call to ministry, I felt it at 19. And, and, uh, and I fought this tug and this call to full-time ministry i fought it all the way to the last semester of my senior year so 
when my classmates were getting letters of acceptance to grad schools, some of them were like getting job offers. I was just applying to seminary. That's how long it took me. So that, and I bring that up because I feel like, you know, and I learned this one time in, in a class I was taking, that if a person really looks back over their life, you'll see the patterns and the ways in which God deals with you and kind of leads your life. And so my life has been like these series of strategic leaps. So I made the leap from law school to seminary. Then I made the leap from Mississippi all the way to New Jersey. And then I made the leap coming out of a seminary that does not produce church planners. So I went to Princeton Seminary. And so you don't go to Princeton and come out of Princeton and plant a church. That's, I love Princeton. I, I, I'm an adjunct there, or I've been an adjunct professor there and all of that. So I'm not, I love Princeton. I want to be clear. <laughs> but it's not typically the place you think of when you think of church planters. So anyway, the point that I'm making is, yeah, there, that seems to be a pattern um, in my life. And, and, and I've, I think one of the things, at least I'm learning with that and, and trying to lean into is this, that God never blocks a door or locks a door or closes a door in order to lead me to an inferior room that when, like his no is always a setup for a better yes. And so that's, that's hard if you type A and if you're driven, you know, <laughs> but it's like, okay, this, if he blocked this, he, he, is, he, is, he is not blocking this to lead me something, lead me to something that's inferior. So that's just kind of my, my, my train of thought with that. That's how I'm trying to manage it. That, that's amazing. That's a great way to, to process that. You said there uh, that God has certain ways of dealing with us, whereas each of us are kind of unique uh, in the way he deals. And I think that's so true. Uh, is there, has there been anything to follow up with that, anything that has helped you to see how God's do you have a system like a, you know, journaling or what, what do you use so that you, you see, okay, God seems to do this. He makes me leap. What is there ways that you do that so that you can catch those things that God's doing? Yep. So two things. So this is what I do currently. You hit it spot on. I journal. So there's an app that I use to journal and that's great because I'm able to kind of, I'm able to see trends of um, trends in terms of this is what, hey, this is what God was kind of dealing with me on in this season. Or this, this seems to be, sometimes you can be stuck in an area emotionally and you can look through your journal and be like, you know what, I'm complaining, I complained about the same thing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I complained about the same thing for four months. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know that, same old, same old. So that was one, but man, I did this, when I was in doctoral class, I did this song. I went through this process with this gentleman named Dr. Terry Wallen, and it was one of the most transformative exercises I've ever gone through. It's really a discernment tool. And from time to time, I, I use it to show others. And so it's this, basically, he takes you through this process where you take this whiteboard, you take all these different color stickers, and he takes you through this process where you divide your life up into categories. 
and you just write down everything that's significant, that you feel like is significant in that category. So those things that were positive, you write down. Those things that were negative, you write those things down. And you color code it. And it's amazing how in doing that and dividing your life up in those categories, you're able to see the, the ways that God has dealt with you. That's how I was able to see that God deals with me in leaps. And um, that was probably the most significant, I mean, I'm, I'm not doing it justice, but that was probably the most significant discernment tool I've, I've ever used in terms of giving me clarity. And what was the name uh, of the person who put that together? This is... His name was Terry Walling. Terry Walling. Terry Walling, yeah. Uh, well, he, he taught a class at Fuller Seminary when I was there. Very cool. All right. And I got to ask, since you mentioned journaling app, what do you have a specific journaling app or just like a notes app that you use? Uh, how do you, what is that? Yeah, practical? It's not special. It's like some random, <laughs> yeah, some random, um, nothing that's going to, cause I, I'm, I've said on this podcast many times, I'm not very good at the journaling thing. And, yeah. I, and part, part of that I think is, uh, I, I, I have a hard time going back. I'll journal for a while and then it just sits in a pile. So I never go back to it. And so I'm trying yeah. to figure out a system that will work where I actually go back to it and see the pattern. So I'm like, I, only oh. do it. I, only, I only do it. I try to do it once a week and I'm not always consistent with that. And it's, um, it's real quick. I can't do it long naming and taming what I'm feeling. And uh, that help, helps me with self-awareness. Definitely. Also, oh, once a week—that's kind of—that's kind of a cool idea. Uh, rather than, I—I uh, I think every day when I think journaling. So that's that's that's, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, going back to the book, you—one of the things you say you encourage people is to be authentic with everyone, but transparent with only a few. Uh, what do you? Uh, how do you differentiate between authentic and transparent and how do kind of, again, how do you make that distinction for yourself? So what I mean, when I say, when I, when I say authentic, I, I mean that in every sense of the word, meaning that in every space and every relational, like every relationship you find yourself in, you should not feel the pressure to be anyone besides yourself. Like I'm in a season in my life where I don't want a relationship with anybody that I have to be someone other than myself to be right? That's a job. That's a parishioner. That's, you know what I mean? That is a, that it's just, it's just period. So that's what I mean by that. But when I talk about transparency, I think there are things that we, uh, I'm talking about the disclosure of some of, some of your most uh, innermost emotions and innermost issues. And so I feel like that's why in the book, when I talk about the friend category, those are places and spaces where there's a different kind of transparency. Because those are people that you've discerned have my best interests at heart and are what Henry Cloud would call safe people. But they're people I can be transparent with, I can disclose this with, and they're safe. And I feel like Jesus modeled that when he went on the Mount of Transfiguration, he only took three out of the 12 disciples. So they saw him at his best, his divinity was disclosed. But then we went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he took those same three out of the 12, where his humanity was disclosed. And so for me, 
transparency isn't always like just disclosing the worst of you. Sometimes it might be the best of you. Like for me, um, I recently lost a friend who was on my staff. He was with us for about 13 years. He passed away very young, um, 43 years old. And one of the things that I lost when I lost that relationship with him is I lost the first person besides my wife that I would call whenever I got a win. You know, okay. yep. so to me, that's transparency. Also, people that you can disclose not just the worst of life, but also kind of the best of life, too. And, you know, they're genuinely excited for you and they want to hear it and you want to tell them. Hey, that, we need those people who are going to get excited when we have, have a win. And we need those yeah. people. that, uh, And I, yeah, that's one of the things I'm trying to learn is. Uh, who do I share share the good news with? Because mm -hmm. uh, some people, uh, even if they're, you know, good people, they're just not going to get excited like you. <laughs> you want them to. Uh, when you when you won the Super Bowl, you you don't want someone who's like, you know, oh, okay, that's great. You know, <laughs> that's, uh, mm -hmm. um, one of the things you talk about in the book is that uh, you make a distinction that people need to, as they choose categories for people. For, I'm not using your words well, but hey, hey, that you have to have those conversations with people about <laughs> where they're going to land on that. Uh, and that can go uh, not so well. Uh, and any uh, example or uh, advice or uh, <laughs> something that you've done that uh, – helps that not be so difficult? Yeah, so I learned that. I learned that just by doing it wrong so long. <laughs> I think a lot of the book I learned just by doing wrong so long. Like if you're doing the wrong thing, after you do the wrong thing so many times and you see it never works, at some point you just, you accept like, yeah, this isn't ever going to work. Doing it this way. And so there are times when there is um, like people in a certain, for lack of a better word, place in your life, category, you know, we're putting people in their place. There are times when people are, who are in a certain place and this is what happens. Life happens with you and you change or life happens with them and they change. And with that being the case, that may mean a change in place. Um, and I, and I, I don't want to come off cynical here at all because I'm not, I'm an optimist. But I do believe that there's this assumption that we make with people that they always change for the better. And I'm not trying to be a cynic, but I do want to be a realist. I think Jesus was. There are times where people change for the worse. And that doesn't mean they're bad people. Sometimes they hit bad seasons and it shapes and molds them in a certain way. And, you know, <laughs> I think what most of us would like to do is like kind of shift the relationship without having conversations. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> um, but I feel like, you know, the scriptures teach to speak the truth in love and this is what I've learned. When you don't fill in the blanks and give people a reason, the devil will. 
<laughs> and the reason he gives them is always worse than the reason you give them. So we actually, in the book, it's why we created mock scripts in the book. Like, um, we really went, we really want to be so practical to give people guidance on how to have some of these conversations where when you're communicating, hey, there needs to be a change in this relationship, you're communicating it um, from a place that communicates what you need and what you have to do for you in this season and not who they aren't. And making judgments about them. Um, and so we feel like the scripts really give people guidance on how to have some of those tough conversations. And, um, and you know, I got the idea about a script. The, the idea for script came to me because years ago, I was reading this book on just productivity and time management. And the guy gave examples of the way he says no to requests. I was like, man, he said no, and it sounded so nice. <laughs> like, so he, he gave that example and it triggered something for me years later when I was writing this book, how helpful that example was for me. And it helped me frame my own approach, right, to say no. But um, sometimes we just need that, that boost and that, and that jumpstart. And so that was the idea behind the scripts in the book. No, and I think that's so helpful to people to have a framework that works. Uh, and so that's why I think the book does such a great job. You pick your situation and um, you obviously make it your own and probably don't bring out the book and start, all right, move, move that page when you go. But <laughs> maybe you do. Maybe yeah. then you hand them the book and you sell another copy. But <laughs> all right, all right. it's uh, I think that works in, I mean, some of those small practical tips. Uh, one of the things for me, I, I heard uh, Bob Goff talk about he, uh, anyone who emails him, he gets three sentences back. Uh, and I'm like, that's, wow. just, that's just powerful. Cause yeah. I mean, uh, cause then you're not spending an hour with, you know, but if someone emails you, you're going to give them something back, you know, if they, get your email address or whatever. And so sometimes those simple things in life uh, and those, that script that you give people, I think is really helpful. And again, you're talking, it's not, uh, they're not bad people necessarily. <laughs> now they may be, <laughs> they, they may have changed and they're bad people now, but uh, you're not, you're not saying that you're saying, hey, this is not good for me right mm -hmm. now. Is that, am I, am I getting that right? Yeah, it's spot on. And I'll push it a little further and say, I use that, I make that distinction, um, meaning between bad people and bad for me. I make that distinction for a couple of reasons. One of the primary reasons is um, I'm not saying that, aren't, that there aren't bad people in the world. I think that's, you know, we look at violence and kidnappings and assaults and all that. Um, so I'm not saying that, you know, or people don't do bad things. Um, but I feel like saying, making that distinction, bad person, bad for me, helps remove um, the fear of judgment. So there are times when people won't draw lines in the sand because they feel like they're judging. So I just feel like using that language helps take the judging out of it. And you're able to say, you're able to make a decision because you're able to be honest and say, I don't think this, I think this is bad for me. I'm not saying you're a bad person, this is bad for me. So it's about me, not you. And um, you're able to move on. 
what I, and you talk a lot, of, and, I, and I think I also saw in a video uh, about how this works out in family scenarios. Uh, and that's uh, when you're not saying the person's bad, maybe bad for me, I think really uh, is true in family situations, maybe even more so because just because you have, a, you have a history of things that may cause you, that person to be a negative to you just because of the history that's attached to it, that it wouldn't be necessarily to someone else. Yeah, definitely. And well, we're running near our end here. I think there's a lot more people can learn from this, so they'll have to go pick up the book. But I didn't want to get, because you've been, I mean, it's Dr. Darius Daniel. So you've been in school for a long time and you've heard from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. What is some of the best advice that you've received from someone else over the years. Again, it could be a professor, but it could be anyone that you think of that uh, you've received some good advice that has helped you along the way. Yeah, I've got tons. <laughs> I, I have, I think, um, I think we all, who we all are is the compilation of contributions that people have made to us throughout the years. I think, um, so God is at work in people and through people shaping us into who he um, intends for us to be. So there are tons, but I think as it relates to um, for me, the thing that kind of sticks out the most just right now at the top of my head is kind of the statement that I put in the book about be authentic um, with everyone but transparent with a few. And so this is what I mean by that. Some people can hear that statement and and just focus on being transparent with a few and and miss the fact that there needs to be a few in your life that you're transparent with, right? They can just think of, hey, they can just hear that statement and say, I'm not gonna be transparent with with everybody. All right, that's good, but it's more of a statement than that. No, there needs to be a circle that you are transparent with because who you become and where you end up in life is not just based on who you are. It's also based on who you're with. That's Proverbs 13, 20. We become like who we walk with. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Don't be deceived, bad company corrupts good character. So for me, that's, that's probably relationally some of the best advice I've gotten. That's awesome. Hey, so where can people learn about the book? Where can uh, people find out uh, more about you or uh, uh, online, whatnot, wherever you want to send people and any final ask that you have of the audience? Yeah, this is so people can actually, um, depending on when they're listening to this, uh, well, at any point, they can go to Darius Daniels um, RQ.com. DariusDanielsRQ.com, that's D-H-A-R-I-U-S-D-A-N-I-E-L-S-R-Q.com. And there are, we've got a couple of uh, free sample chapters of the book that people can download and they can get a sense of what the book is actually about. We're actually really soon going to be releasing a RQ test, a relational intelligence assessment. 
And so they'll be able to take that also for free right there at DariusDanielsRQ.com. And if they want to, to, to purchase the book, they'll be able to do that. And for everyone who, uh, depending on when they hear this, pre-orders the book, we actually did a relational intelligence e-course. I had a conversation with a group of people, a small group of people at our, from our Orlando campus, and uh, a campus in Orlando, Florida. And we were just having conversations about some of the concepts in the book. Because it's like one thing to read a book. Sometimes you're reading a book, you're like, I get that, but what did he mean by that, you know? And so we felt like this is a way to kind of get that out to people. So people who pre-order the book, we're going to send them that, of course, uh, immediately to their inbox for free. And um, we, my, my only ask is, if it's adding value to your life, if it adds value to your life in any way, my only ask is that you share it and you spread the word about it to someone else. Very cool. Uh, well, we will put the links to all that in the show notes so people can uh, find that and get to the e-course. And uh, I will look forward to uh, this book getting out to the world and uh, being a blessing to many people. So thanks for taking the time today, Dr. Daniels. So we, it's been a good conversation. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me. Had a blast. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I have. There was uh, so many things to mull over and think about. I'm still way at the beginning where he said we don't want to set appointments for regrets. That's just such a powerful truth there. Uh, if you want to see the show notes, head on over to enjoyingprayer.org and just click on the podcast there and you'll see the show notes and link to uh, his website where he talked about uh, sample chapters that you can get uh, and you want to get that while, while you can. Uh, so I head on over again. That's enjoyingprayer.org and slick, click on the podcast. Uh, and if you're uh, blessed by our ministry, uh, I want to be a, a blessing to you. So why don't you uh, subscribe to the, uh, the show? That all uh, helps us. And uh, share with anyone who can uh, would be a blessing to them. Uh, that's always uh, helpful in the process of growing the ministry and uh, online and the podcast thing and all, all of those fun things that uh, happen when you share it with a friend. Share it with a friend. Or <laughs> it's all about relationships today, so share it with a friend. Uh, but uh, subscribe as well. Uh, and if you, you are blessed and you're still sticking around here after I'm making corny jokes here, uh, why don't you think about and pray about uh, becoming a financial partner of this ministry? Uh, God has put on our hearts some great things, and we're excited about what's possible. Uh, we're kind of like that plane that's taken off, and we just need the fuel to get above the tree line, and uh, our financial partner are what do that and make that a reality and you can help us make an impact all the way around the world. We already impacted 60 countries. We'd love to see a whole bunch more and so uh, you can uh, learn all about that at enjoyingprayer.org and just click on donate uh, and you can learn all about that. Uh, we'll love to see you on the inside and got some special things for our partners there. Uh, but before you go, let me uh, pray for you. God, I pray for each person who's listening to this. I pray that we would make wise choices in our relationships. We'd make uh, good friendships. We'd make... Uh 
not just the negative things that uh, sometimes are associated with making tough calls, and we do need to do that, Lord, but I pray also that you'd bless uh, uh, the people listening to this with uh, new relationships, uh, uh, friends, advisors, all the people that we need to accomplish the things you have for us. I pray this in your mighty name. Uh, Amen. So God bless you as you go along your way. Uh, Thanks for listening.